Welcome to Payne on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression necessary to evolution, more true. Hello, this is Gregory Payne, the Chair of Communication Studies, the first communication department in the United States, also co-director of the Emerson Blancarna Global Center. We're here for another Paint on Politics. This time we're going down memory lane with an iconic professor from Emerson College. She is someone who knows this part of campus, and then, as she would say, my heart belongs in San Francisco. No, that would be over at the legacy side of campus, and that would be Commonwealth Avenue, 100 Beacon, none other than Professor Bev Conte. Bev, welcome to Paint on Politics. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Bev, I'm just going to ask because I know you started teaching when you were about five, but how many years have you taught at Emerson? Probably all together about 30, I would say. 30 years. Part-time, you know, always part-time. Yes. yes. And the range of courses that you've taught... I taught voice and articulation many, many years. Which we don't have now, but we should maybe bring it back. Sadly, we don't have it now. Public speaking. Always a tradition of our foundation. Argumentation and debate a couple of times. And did you ever debate with Ike DeMontarosian? Yes. Yes. In the prison. And I used to You were both in prison? (laughs) No. We did debating. Um... The, we used to go and debate the prisoners when I was in graduate school. Yeah, what's interesting about that is we have a prison initiative now, uh-huh. but when you were there with Matarosi and he really established that prison initiative. And yes. Walt Littlefield, dear friend of mine and yeah. yours, yeah. Uh, he was always telling me about that. That they, you know, they had Malcolm X, they had all these other people that they worked with. Part of the story that Emerson needs to tell a bit more, but lots to get with you about. We'll get back to maybe the prison initiative later. So you worked with Matarosian. Oh, yes, and he yes. was also a professor. Yeah, he did fencing. <laughs> was he not a wrestler also? I think so, yes. Yeah, I yeah. think he did all that. He did those were the good old days. Oh, those were the great days. Mama Mitchell. Yes. See, I only knew Mama Mitchell for a few years. Uh-huh. She was quite a character. Mama was quite a character. I had her, I believe, in a, a class, but I also worked for her. Oh. You through did. a work-study program. Yes. So I was her personal secretary. Now, Mama Mitchell, uh, first, her name was not Mama, right? No. It was what, June? June Hamblin Mitchell. June Hamblin Mitchell. Could you describe her? Because I think for people that are alums, uh, Dr. Silvestri's coming in, she's quite a tradition. Yes, she is quite a tradition. I always said she was one of the, the, the foundation of Emerson, one of the bricks, however you want, want to say it. But she was a great lady, extremely talented. Talented, yes. Uh, very kind. She, I thought she was very good to the students. She tried to help students yes. all the time. And just, I always felt very talented. She, as you know, did the oral interpretation class, which was one of the classes I feared taking for a while. Right. Knew I had to do it right. in order to graduate. And um, she was just wonderful. She mm-hmm. helped everybody, uh, full of life. Right. Full of life. Big, boisterous voice all the time. Yes. Uh, just great. Well, she's part of that Emerson tradition. You mentioned mm-hmm. Emerson's tradition. Now we have one left. Hopefully we'll return, but we used to have to take four courses. One was voice and articulation. Right. 
which some people said voice and humiliation because you had to get rid of that accent. Oh, yes. It was tough. Which means you would still be working with me in terms of pen and, and get and get. Get. Okay? Yep. Southern Illinois, the big muddy little Egypt still right there within me. Yep. Voice and articulation, public speaking. Oral interpretation. Yes. And? Argumentation and debate. And yes. I was here as an undergraduate, we also had to take phonetics. Phonetics? But I had to take that for communication disorders anyway, but yes, right. that was mandated as well. Well, you know, one thing that I remember uh, back when I was doing some work at the University of Illinois, I interviewed David Brinkley, the journalist, mm -hmm. and uh, he had mentioned at that time, uh, he had mentioned Emerson, I didn't know Emerson at the time, but then later when I came and talked to, not Mama Mitchell, but Fran Lashoto, she told me that she ha actually worked with Brinkley because he later told her that he was dating a girl at Emerson so that he could work with Fran to get rid of his accent. So if you remember the Huntley Brinkley report, yes, David Brinkley, his distinct pronunciation. But I just mentioned a person, Fran Lashoto. Now she's no longer with us except in spirit. What was Fran like? Because she was an iconic part of that triumvirate. Fran, again, I never had Fran for a teacher, but I knew her very well from the department and from working. She, I liked Fran a lot. I thought she was a great lady. Yes. She was somewhat, at times, could be intimidating to some Oh, students. I can tell you, she was intimidating to me. And she was tough. Yeah, very tough. She was tough, but yes. she had a side of her that you knew she really cared about the students and wanted to wanted to help them be successful and get through all these classes and and just improve yes. as a communicator well she was excellent i remember i used to think you know she was very traditional in many ways but then when we did the 1995 uh kent state jackson state retrospective here she read yevashenko's poem about allison so we have that now in the kent state archive which is great but another story which maybe a lot of people don't know is that fran i remember hearing when i got here i was fascinated that she worked with president kennedy when he was when he was running for office in 1960 and i remember saying is it true that you worked with president kennedy because he wanted to get rid of his accent and she looked at me in the usual Fran way and said, yes, I worked with John Kennedy, but it was very clear I did not succeed. He had that accent. So as you could tell, that kind of approach. Yep. Now, of course, if you mentioned Fran Lashoto, another part of that ladder that of B&A people and Southwood people, Dr. Kenneth Cornell. Yes, yes. Dr. Kenneth Cornell. Yes. A great man. Yes. He used to call me Gina. That yes. was my name. Well, you know, he was the one who kept the Southwick going yes. after that John Anderson, and now we're blessed with Ken Grout. What was it about Ken that made him such an iconic figure, feared but also loved? Yes. Well, again, Ken was a very boisterous person, full of life, and even though he had that, that tough side to him and you would fear sometime walking in his classroom or to even open your mouth sometimes, even as a teacher, when we would have meetings, I would be guarded, you know, when I would speak. But you knew that it was all, again, out of a sense of, I love what I do, 
I love Emerson. I really believe in the philosophy of Emerson, and I want to sh to to share that with every person I come in contact with. Yes. And I really feel that he um, he believed in that. He he was these people, Greg. In my mind, were Emerson. Yes. Each and every one of them. Well, I know people watching, those people getting ready to come to the alumni weekend, they are really the essence of what the Legacy Campus was about. Right. I remember when I went to my first job interview, uh, Dr. Silvestri was chair. We're going to see him in just a few minutes. And he said to me the night before, I was over at the Kennedy School, you can talk about anything you want. So I was going to talk about rhetoric. I was going to be talking about Stephen Toulman's theory of argument. Mm -hmm. Then he called me about 9.30 the night before I was coming at 8 and he said, I want you to change. I want you to do something on voice and articulation and Vygotsky's view of linguistics from Russia. And I'm going... I don't know anything about that at all. That's not what, we didn't have that in Illinois. And he goes, "Oh well, you're at Harvard. You can you can deal with that." So I remember, okay, going immediately to Harvard Library, looking up this stuff. And I remember coming in, and Fran Lashota was there, Ken Cornell was there, Walt was there. I don't know if you were there. I got up and gave, you know, a ten minute presentation, and it was interesting. Fran said later that was very interesting, and. Vito said, I think, you know, I know you didn't know too much about what I told you to, but I wanted you to impress Professor Cornell because he was worried that you would just have rhetoric but no understanding of voice. Oh. And so Ken came up, you know, he had polio and he came up with the crutches, and even mm -hmm. then he was coming up to me and he goes, Dr. Payne, I would just like to say a couple things to you. It was clear to me that you knew nothing about what you were talking about, but you delivered it very well. And so there's still hope. And I thought, oh, okay. I thought, well, I didn't get the job. So then he said, but one thing that I really want to focus on, and I said, what? And he said, what part of Southern Illinois did you come from? Because he could cite, and I said, how would you know I'm from Southern Illinois? And he goes, well, I don't know if you're from Mount Vernon, North or South. And so he said, say this word. And I said it, and I said, get. And he said, you're from south of Mount Vernon because you said get. And he said, you can't differentiate between get and get. Say P-I-N and P-E-N, and I'm going P-N. And he goes, pen, pen, and what you just did is what you do in the bathroom. You're going to go P-N. So... It was baptism by fire mm -hmm. with Dr. Cornell. Mm -hmm. uh, for, you, right now you're back at Emerson, and you know we want you to stay forever, as they would <laughs> say, if you didn't go to Emerson. What what's it like with the Emerson students today? Because they're very different, but then they're the, the very same, very creative. Yes, true enough, Greg. I, I think that for the most part they are very creative students. They most of them really love what they major in. I think they're very dedicated for the most part. Yes. Uh, and I enjoy them. I learn a lot from them. Yes. Um, I, I love the creativity, different assignments we do in class and what they produce. It's just amazing to me because in spite of the different majors here, I was a communication disorders major as an undergraduate, and then, of course, I got my degrees in comm studies, and I went on and on, but even my doctoral degree focused more on language and literacy and, mm -hmm. and that type, and I always loved 
the students, uh, you know, listening to the students in theater and students who had talent and could perform, because I love that. Yes. And I always wanted to do that. Well, I think you've constantly done that. <laughs> you know, they love Miss Conti. <laughs> Hopefully, I, I try, but uh, I love it here. This is like a, a second home to me. I've been connected so many years, but when I think back to the Emerson that I came to as a freshman back in the very, very late 60s and didn't know Emerson or anything about it, but I had a tremendous mentor in high school who told me to come here. She had gotten her master's in theater. And who theater. was the mentor? Her name was Bernice Bennett. She's now passed. Um, okay, but any alums listening, Bernice Bennett, we'll have to talk to Professor Conti at Alumni Weekend. Yeah, I mean, she just, she was the one who said to me, yeah. you're going, forget all these other colleges. I thought I was going to Emanuel, maybe. Or she said, no, you're going to Emerson. I said, what's Emerson? <laughs> she told me. Yes. And she said, um, and you're going to major in what they used to call in those days, speech and language. I said, mm -hmm. what's that? She told me all about it. And I said, oh, I don't know. You, you know, I have, no, you do what, she said, you do what I tell you. All my Being life. Being a nice Catholic girl, you did that, she correct? She was the second mother to yes. me, and I maintained a relationship with her until, until she passed away five years ago. Yes, okay? yes. My whole life. She was wonderful. She loved Emerson. She trained under Dr. Bender at a master's level. In some Coleman Bender, Coleman another Bender. iconic figure. Very good friend of Ted Hollingworth. We hope yep. Ted will come back. Yes. Also, he's retired, yep. but still very active. Yep. Yes. Yep. So that's how I got here. Yes. She said, that's what you need. You need to go to Emerson. Right. Okay. Well, you know what? So she was right. She was right. I was sheltered. And Emerson opened up my eyes to a whole new world. Yes. Because uh, I came from a very, you know, protective Italian Catholic background. And your mother is still what? My mother. Wagging that finger, telling you what yes. you need to do. Now, she's, she's probably going to watch me. I'd like to say hello. Mrs. Okay. Conte, thank you for blessing us with your daughter. And she talks about you all the time, how much she loves you, etc. So we know you're at home, but you're a true Emersonian. She is. Now, absolutely. back to back to the daughter here. At 98. We at 98. You've got great genes. So you can teach until what? We both will be cuddling around here at 98, right? I hope so. Now, we have a new president coming in, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Bernhard from Texas, at Texas, was went to school at Rutgers, then North Carolina. I think he's going to be focusing on communication, which, of course, is the central part of what Emerson's about. You and I, of course, knew someone very, very dear to us uh, who was the, I think, the last person who really focused on communication as we know it as a foundation. That would be John Zachris. Uh, John was uh, president. He was the person who bought the Anson building. Uh, so he was the first person who really sort of said, let's take us over here. Of course, if we have history correct, the Emerson Majestic was purchased not by John, on, but by Alan Koenig, because when Alan was moving us to Lawrence, at least you were going to have the Majestic. But John was that kind of, would say, the architect, the initial architect of getting us over here, realizing the worth of that campus on the other side. What was it about John that inspired not just me, but others uh, in, in terms of his leadership? Well, John, as you say, I, I still call, I still refer to him as Doc. Yes. He was a professor of mine. I learned a great deal from him, uh, a wonderful man, just a great guy, and another true 
Emersonian who loved this place. I mean, he would, I think, have done anything for Emerson. Um, as you know, he went to school here too, and he he helped me so much when I was an undergraduate and, and brought out things to me about myself that I didn't even realize. I say, well, you know, I don't know if I should do that. Maybe I, I don't know, that's too tough. And he said, you can do it. I'll help you, you can do mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And he helped me achieve uh, a lot. Uh, he was a wonderful man, a great mentor. Um, I miss him terribly. Yes. And, I, and every time I, I come to Emerson, there's never a minute that I'm here, Greg, that I, I don't think about him yes. and Haig and, and all of them yes. um, who were just terrific, terrific people. And really, this college was their life right, in right, many ways, right. um, as it is with some of us now. Exactly, still. some of us who don't go home. <laughs> right. I remember, yeah. John, when, of course, uh, Alan left and right. we were looking for a president. We wanted John in mm -hmm. faculty. I wasn't tenured at the time, but yeah. you know, I was still appointed as chair. And we did this We Back Zach campaign. You remember yes, those I buttons? Yes, I remember. Yep, I have the buttons. And I remember still. Dr. Silvestri coming in and saying to me, when you meet... McElwraith, who the board had put right. in as president, you can tell him, I was very instructed at that time, you can tell him that you enjoy meeting him, uh, but when he leaves, just indicate you're not my president. So I remember meeting with him and telling him, okay, it's nice to meet you, but you're not my president. That was that was a very interesting, I would say, faculty-led approach where we ended up getting John in, and I worked as his vice uh, or his uh, special assistant and took over PR and some others because we needed to clear that out. It wasn't working, and then tragically, of course, he he got cancer and was with us for a short time. But I think even though he was here for a short time, of course, his room downstairs here mm -hmm. in the in the Walker Building, uh, when I go in and I read that that theme from Tennyson that, you know, we're all yes. Emersonians. Mm -hmm. I think he continues to inspire us. Oh, I do too. Absolutely. Every yes. day. Every right. day. And what I'm hoping, if Jay Bernhardt is listening, Mr. President, pick up that same can-do spirit because it's alive and living as we embrace communication, which is the foundation. Oh, Bev Conte. I would like to thank you for coming to Paint on Politics. I'm sure we'll be meeting again. Thank mm -hmm. you for sharing a little bit of your history. And in a parting thought, I would say just as you tell people, be true to the tradition, be true to your mom. Give her a hug when you see her, okay? Absolutely, and thank you very much. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Paint on Politics. We'll see you as soon as we find another iconic figure like Bev. Uh, look forward to seeing you back with Paint on Politics at Emerson College.